0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
3: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. On this Monday episode of Live Mike, we look back at the life and lessons taught by Martin Luther King Jr. I, when I think about Martin Luther King Jr., I know uh, that he is not just uh, one man that he and the lessons that he taught, the example that he set, the movement that he inspired, the people that he inspired. For example, Coach K, who we spoke to uh, just before that. I know that that type of strength comes not from an individual, but from a collection of individuals, a family of thinking. And so it is with Martin Luther King Jr. He, of course, had a father before him. You know, you don't become a junior without there being a senior. And Martin Luther King Sr. has an incredible story of his own. Incredible in its steadfastness, incredible in its inspirational qualities, and incredible in the heartbreaking nature of the loss that he sustained. A sad thing, a sad idea or notion is the idea of uh, a parent burying their children. And if you are a parent listening who has had to bury your child, uh, my heart breaks for you. I feel so terribly for you, and I mourn with you, whether it is something you experienced here recently or something years and years ago. I, uh, I am so, so sorry. And Martin Luther King Sr., he buried not one but two of his children. Of course, there was the assassination of the son that bore his name, Martin Luther King Jr., the doctor, assassinated on April 4th, 1968, at the age of 39. Less than a year later, or just over a year later, I should say, uh, Alfred King, another child of Martin Luther King Sr., passed away due to a drowning incident at the home. Not long after the death of his second son, uh, Reverend King Sr., who I will point out preached for four decades at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where his father-in-law preached before him and where his son, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would preach. Not long after... That event, he granted uh, an interview on a program called Turning Point with Bill Turpy. I pronounce that right? Bill Turpy? In that interview, he was asked about his son's death. And he explained that his ideals live, this in reference to Martin Luther King Jr.
4: We know that he isn't dead. I would never, I, I, I don't. First of all, I don't believe in death dying, as far as I'm concerned. He isn't dead. His, his ideals will live, they are living, they will continue to live. And I think much is being done in his death. But now, whether or not more would, is being accomplished in his death than in his life, I can't quite say, because it still remains to be seen what impact he would have had if he had been able to carry on
3: The interview continues, uh, again, from a program called Turning Point, uh, sometime between 1969 and 1974, and he's asked how he, being Martin Luther King Sr., the father of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was asked by the interviewer, how have you coped with the many tragedies uh, in your life? Now, let me take a step backwards. Since that question was asked and this answer was given, the reverend, Reverend King Sr. experienced another tragedy. Another tragedy that very well may have eclipsed the heartbreak he felt at the loss of his two sons. In 1974, Alberta King, his wife, was inside Ebenezer Baptist Church. There was a worship service going on. The congregation uh, was all there in attendance. The pews were full. She there seated at the organ, was playing uh, the Lord's Prayer. And as she sat there playing the organ, a young man, 23 years old, stood up towards the front of the crowd. He pulled out two handguns and began firing. He struck Alberta King in the head, and she lost her life. Reverend Martin Luther King Sr. had lost his son, his other son, and now in the very church where he preached for four decades, he lost his bride. The next week he presided over her funeral service in that same church. How do you summon the strength to endure and to carry on in your capacity of a shepherd over your flock? Someone with that capacity was the man, the mind, the heart, the spirit that informed and educated and molded Martin Luther King Jr. So how did he cope? When asked, here's how he explained.
4: When I stay out of the why, the why as much as I can, I just won't let myself go. Continuing to asking why this happened, why did it have to be this way? You, you can't work it out. I mean, just, it's something you can't fathom. Too easy.
3: Bitterness. Bitterness is the thought and feeling that I, if I try to place myself in some situation, even uh, approximating what Reverend King Senior experienced, I would be bitter. I would be vengeful, I would be angry, I would be mad. Well, during that interview, he was asked, he was asked, how, how do you avoid the bitterness? How do you not look to the two individuals who are responsible for assassinating one, your son, uh, the man who, who bore your name, the man who in his 39 short years of life quite literally changed the world? How do you not look... To the man who took his life with bitterness, how do you not look to uh, the young man who gunned down your wife as she played the Lord's Prayer, seated at the organ here in Ebenezer Baptist Church, a place where you, for the past forty years, have preached the word of the Lord?
4: You see, I I don't know what it is to be bitter. I'm just not going to be bitter. I, I'm not bitter. I carry no ill will or hate in my heart against any man, never I am, I never will. And I think I know why I feel this way. Now, I could have I been a person who just, just hated everybody, and especially whites. For instance, when I was a smaller boy, I saw so many mistreatments to blacks, and even to myself, how I was treated. That I said when I get to be a man, I'm going to hate every white face I ever saw. And my mother kept telling me this is wrong and teaching me not to do this. So finally, I began to take a look at it. And now I know why that I do not hate anybody now. I know how I feel by every man. You don't get rid of what someone does to you by hating. You don't get you don't get it no it. You, you get the worst of it, the individual. It mm. gets much worse than that he's giving out. So that I'm not going to hate my, even
5: Martin my even, Luther
4: King wouldn't hate him about it. They beat him and drug him, twisted his arm, almost broke them. Even the persons who killed your son? I you, don't hate him. Oh, no. Mm-mm.
3: Daddy King is the name of the autobiography written by Martin Luther King, Sr. I recommend you read it. I recommend you read it. A lot of lessons to learn there. We're going to take a break now. When we return, we're going to look at uh, some interviews conducted by uh, our friends at University of Utah Health as they look at celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, the, the segment's called Good Trouble, a phrase made famous by Representative Lewis. Those interviews next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Martin, Martin Luther King Day. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Hey, I could use some help. We uh, earlier had a conversation with Coach K Kamal Ahmad as we uh, discussed some of what he views to be the things that we could do both at home and in the classroom. Even he, speaking as an educator and a coach, to make sure that the celebration of Martin Luther King Jr. Day is not simply copying and pasting a, a quote on our social media wall and then moving on to uh, you know tomorrow, just another Tuesday, where we uh, wait for another 365 days to pass before we uh, get close to the words of Martin Luther King Jr. again. Well, he recommended books. And I got drew much of my understanding of the life and experiences of Martin Luther King Sr. from his autobiography. Uh, Via the text line, we have received a number of uh, recommendations for books to make sure that that Black History Month is not just a one-month occurrence, uh, but rather something that we carry with us with a a greater and ever-opening understanding, ever-broadening understanding uh, of how we all fit together here. And to make sure that Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, specifically the ideals it represents, are not limited to just one day in the calendar year. Uh, what I'm getting at here is I'd like some book suggestions. We'll come up with a book list here. Uh, the most recent to come via text, uh, written by Isabel Wilkerson, recommended by a texter. The book is Cast, the Origin of Our Discontents. I have put it on my own reading list. I would add, I would add uh, two books, both uh, autobiographies. Uh, covering different chapters of his life, uh, but Frederick Douglass wrote uh, two autobiographies. Uh, they are absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, uh, if you have a suggestion, the Utah Community Credit Union text line is 57500. 57500, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Let's come up with a book list. How about it? Uh, I'll share that with you uh, later on in the program as we get a list here put together. Right now, I want to share something that comes from uh, University of Utah Health. In honoring the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., University of Utah Health has organized a tribute. And their theme this year is Good Trouble. I'm sure you've heard that phrase earlier. uh, Well, last year, the theme has been chosen to pay homage to the late Representative John Lewis. They uh, produced a special. They did some interviews. They learned much about uh, how different individuals interpret good trouble and what it means to them. You'll recognize some of these names. I want to take you through some of that uh, today uh, for the kickoff an event that the University of Utah Health organized. They have these uh, these interviews compiled, and there is much more to it than just these interviews. And if you'd like to see what uh, what they're up to, please uh, make your way over to diversity.utah.edu/mlk. I'll share that link on my Facebook page so you don't have to remember it. Uh, but uh, there is some wonderful stuff happening there on the part of University of Utah Health as they honor the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, first, In a series of interviews, brief interviews, uh, University of Utah helped spoke with Representative Sandra Hollins. She explained one of her conversations with John Lewis, with the late Representative John Lewis. Remember his phrase, good trouble. And how all of us as individuals can choose to get involved with a little good trouble.
1: I'm Utah State Representative Sandra Hollins, and I represent District 23. A few years ago, I had the honor and the pleasure of meeting Mr. John Lewis, And in that conversation that I had with him, explaining to him some of the things I was working on, he said to me, sound like you're getting into some good trouble. For me, good trouble means strategically working to dismantle systems, whether that's nationally or locally, that have been set in place that disenfranchises marginalized communities. For each of us, we need to become involved. We need to become civically engaged. Only you can choose how to do that, whether that's through being an informed voter, for some of you that may mean organizing, for some of you that may mean peaceful protests, and for some people that may mean getting involved in policy changes. However you choose to get involved, I encourage you to get involved. Standing on the sideline is no longer an option for us. So today, in order to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, I am committed to getting into some good trouble.
3: I'm committed to get into some good trouble. I like that. Next up, this is from uh, Natalie Pinckney, who is a South Salt Lake City Council member. She explained the real-life impacts we can make today and how all of us together can make a difference.
5: Good trouble is standing up against any institution that threatens or violates human rights. It doesn't matter how large the institution may be or how small we may perceive ourselves. It doesn't matter because it takes all of us working together— Understanding that with bravery, we have the power to yield change. To fight for those in the margins. When we aren't afraid of the consequences of standing up for others, that's when the largest changes happen. It doesn't matter what happens to our reputation, what our friends may say, or what our family may think. Because when we're fighting for people who need us, the losses that may come with that are important. Because every day in this country, there are people who are told that they are illegal inferior and that their lives don't matter. Good trouble understands that unless everyone is liberated, no one is. And now more than ever, we need good trouble. Now more than ever, we need to understand that our actions, words, and behaviors as individuals and as a collective matter. Because what we decide today, what we decide that is important, doesn't just impact us for generations to come but has real-life, real-time impacts on our neighbors today, our neighbors that are both sheltered and unsheltered. There are people who need us the most. So we need to make a decision today if we're ready to cause some trouble. I know I am. Who's with me?
3: Good trouble is what's being referred to here, and it stems uh, all the way back to the early life of the late Representative John Lewis, as part of its effort to honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., today, University of Utah Health has organized a tribute of sorts. They have, in part, reached out to uh, some names you recognize, some names you might not, but all with minds uh, in line with this idea of good trouble. And it means, you know, different things to different people. But as you see that there are injustices or inequities or problems with the society around you, uh, you know, within the confines of the law, there are remarkably uh, effective opportunities to get into a little good trouble, as John Lewis put it Uh, in the focus on Good Trouble is where we will leave this and pick it up after the break. Some impactful messages still to come after this quick break here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You heard in that news report by Kira Offelmeyer that a good portion of the National Mall right now in Washington, D.C. is a ghost town. That's kind of a beautiful time to be there. Obviously, you can't visit right now, and... Uh, who knows when you'll be able to visit again, but I invited you, when you do, to spend some time in the African American History Museum, one of the most, in in my opinion, one of the most comprehensive and compelling uh, and thorough museums in all of Washington, D.C., within uh, the entire Smithsonian system of museums. But on that point of the mall being a ghost town, when you're there, next time you visit, if it's family or maybe you're going to uh, participate in some big conference or who who knows you find yourself in washington d c uh, make sure you visit the african American history museum and then uh and this' this is this will take some some planning uh but wake up in the middle of the night, late late late, maybe midnight one two o'clock uh when most of the rest of the world is asleep, and make your way to the mall M- make your way to the mall, do a lap, walk uh, and see Lincoln see the Washington Monument, see the reflecting pool, see the United States Capitol as it quite literally sits on a hill. If you do that full lap, it's a walk of about five miles, or if you're a jogger, uh, do it a little quicker. But that is when it truly is a ghost town, and you have the whole place to yourself. There may be a few other stragglers out there, uh, folks who are of a similar mind, Uh, but when I was uh, living out there, almost five years of my uh, professional life spent in Washington, D.C., I would do that from time to time. Go out there late, late at night or early, early in the morning and just soak in uh, the history, soak in uh, what that place means and soak in what that place can become. And I uh, so hope that uh, with all of the progress that we've made, as we have compiled the various lessons in our history books and in our minds and in our hearts, uh, that it, in fact, will be brighter days ahead. Forget politics, you know, for, for forget being Republican or Democrat, uh, but that trite old saying that before we are either liberal, conservative, Republican, independent, uh, whatever, before any of that, we're all Americans, and you get to taste a little bit of that, Uh, when you are by yourself in the ghost town of the National Mall, uh, soaking up up the grandeur. Uh, My my apologies. That's all a tangent um, distracting me from uh, the the story I want to tell right now. And it's a story uh, that we are able to tell in conjunction with University of Utah Health. You see, they have today in honor of of the late Martin Luther King, Jr., uh, put together a a series of interviews where they ask a a simple question based on a simple phrase uttered first by Representative John Lewis, and that is the idea of getting into good trouble. When the system needs a jolt, when things are a little out of whack and they ought to be set right, uh, John Lewis invited folks to get into a little bit of good trouble. And University of Utah Health has gone around to, uh, you know, various people around the community. You'll recognize some of the names, some you may not, uh, and asked, essentially, uh, what does it mean to get into good trouble? Uh, we'll start here with outgoing University of Utah President Ruth Watkins describing her, uh, describing her perspective on seeing change uh, through good trouble.
6: I'm Ruth Watkins, President of the University of Utah, and I had the pleasure of meeting John Lewis a few years ago When he was here, I believe, uh, in relation to a muse event, remarkable person, resilient, strong, gracious, focused, visionary. And I think uh, good trouble means persistence and resilience when you see change is needed. You are committed to seeing change through. You are willing to stand up, step up, speak up for that change. And be a difference maker. I think good trouble means insisting that you have the opportunity to be part of a dialogue, to be in the room where it happens, and to influence change for a better, more just, and more equitable world.
3: Now, a name that you will absolutely recognize this is the newly inaugurated Governor Spencer Cox. Uh, he focuses on good trouble here. Listening closely as he goes in depth on. How direct action and compromise can make all the difference in creating change. Here, uh, Governor Spencer Cox.
7: Hi, friends. I'm honored to join you today as we remember the legacy of two distinguished civil rights icons, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Representative John Lewis. Both were dynamic social activists known for their eloquence, passion, and power. Both understood the value of nonviolent resistance and they both defined what good trouble looks like. Good trouble means speaking out and standing up against injustice. Good trouble means making clear demands backed up with persuasive arguments. And good trouble means working within the law for change. As parents, we often teach our children to use their words to resolve conflicts on the playground. Sometimes words aren't enough, and that's why direct action sit-ins, and peaceful protests are all constitutionally protected rights. The founders of this nation knew that the right to assemble, to express grievances, was a healthy part of our democratic republic. Dr. King proved that during the March on Washington, as did Representative Lewis in numerous demonstrations and debates throughout his life. Unfortunately, that's not what we saw recently in our nation's capital. Not since the Civil War has such lawlessness and writing desecrated that building. I am angered by the violence we saw on January 6th and by the hate-filled rhetoric that has fomented chaos and fear over the past few years. As Americans, we need a return to civic charity. We need to recognize our opponents as people instead of demonizing them. We need to understand our opponents' arguments and relearn the art of compromise as we self-govern. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we start to emerge from the abyss, and I believe as a nation we are ready to climb. Here's hoping we return to good trouble soon. Thank you for your efforts to improve our government and our society. May God bless you.
3: All right, hopefully that leaves you with a little bit of hope here on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Maybe take the term good trouble into consideration as to how you can make a difference today, tomorrow, and in the future, both in your home, in the workplace, wherever you find yourself. Uh, Before we go to break, let me invite you to do something. Uh, Have you yet downloaded the KSL News Radio app? It's powered by Any Hour Services, and I know that's self-serving to to make this plea to you, but uh, the reason I do so now is because to to start off the 1 o'clock hour, when we began our focus here on today's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I had a conversation with Uh, Coach K, Kamal Ahmad, Uh, and he, well, the other day he tweeted something, Uh, tweeted something pretty uh, profound and pretty bold. Let me share it with you again. Uh, He wrote, uh, again via Twitter, that in our schools, MLK Day has to be more than a short video and quotes. In our schools, MLK Day has to be more than a short video and quotes. Uh, I had the coach on the line with me for a time, and uh, we discussed that at greater length. And it's more than just in our schools; it needs to be the case in our homes and in uh, our, our very own lives. Go back uh, via the KSL News Radio app; you can listen to past segments. I want you to hear the conversation I had with Coach K there, and some of the rationale he brought to why this really cannot be just a one-day holiday, but rather one that lives in our hearts throughout the whole year. Uh, and and he also talked about some books. Uh, And I have extended an invitation to you, uh, one that many of you have taken me up on. If you uh, have uh, a book... I read Daddy King, that's the autobiography of Martin Luther King Sr. recently. Opened my eyes. Uh, Coach K recommended the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. himself. If you've got a book you'd recommend to ensure that MLK Day is not just a one day holiday, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Welcome back to Live, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 206 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. We return now to our top two at two segment. Something we've been we've been trying it out for the past week. What have you what have you thought? The idea, the objective here is that at t- at two o'clock every day, same time, same place, you're able to tune in, and I will just spend a few minutes recapping the two stories I think are the most important for the day or have the, uh, the greatest impact, or are the widest reaching, or are the most likely to be the topics of conversation that come up around your kitchen table as you make it home each evening to, chat down, to sit down and chat with the family. So uh, you'll have to let me know how the selection process goes. And you know what? Here's what I want to do. As we kind of get more familiar with this segment, uh, going forward, what I'll do is I'll have the text message line wide open for uh, suggestions because we could change it on the fly. You know, who knows? Things come up during the show from time to time. If there's something that you think is, wow, that's that that's coming up around my kitchen table tonight. You send a text message to 57500 the Utah Community Credit Union text line and we'll see about getting it into the top 2 at 2. The top story today is of course the celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day and week, really. Uh, and as uh, you heard Kamala Ahmad coach K uh, saying earlier, it really should not be something that is limited to one day, but rather we should carry with us you know, the, the, the teachings and the inspiration and the lessons and the words of Dr. King uh, really throughout the year. Well, how do you pull that off? Well, his suggestion is to uh, familiarize yourself with uh, some important writings. He suggested the autobiography of Dr. King himself. I would echo that as well. Uh, I would add to your reading list a book called Daddy King. It is the autobiography written by Martin Luther King Sr., a man who, uh, I'd like to think, had the greatest influence on the life of uh, Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr. He himself, uh, pastor at Ebenezer Baptist in Atlanta for some four decades. He would later uh, preach alongside his son before his untimely death at the young age of 39. The book is called Daddy King. It's written by Martin Luther King Sr., His life is incredible. It is full of lessons, and it is full of lessons that you would be good to uh, internalize and carry with you. You know I love history. And you know that I love governmental history. And that I am very quick to tumble down rabbit holes uh, that I can lean on, say, the Library of Congress or the National Archives uh, in my investigation. Well, early this morning, I got curious. You see, national holidays, federal holidays, they don't just accidentally gain that term. They don't just accidentally become federal holidays. You know, uh, sometimes if you're listening to the radio or chatting with friends or whatever, someone might say, "Oh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's National Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich Day." It's it's National Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich Day. Oh, it, 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 it's hey for all of us left-handed folks. It's it's National Left-Handed Day. Yeah, see, th- th- that's different. That, for the most part, is probably a a marketing gimmick by some organization or company. A real holiday, a federal holiday, quite literally requires an act of Congress. And so it was that in the early 80s there was an effort to uh, bring about a recognized federal holiday to commemorate uh, the life and teachings and ultimately death of Martin Luther King, Jr., Did you know that it was President Ronald Reagan who signed the holiday into law? It was 1983, and on that day, he had this to say. In
4: 1968, Martin Luther King was gunned down by a brutal assassin. His life cut short at the age of 39. But those 39 short years had changed America forever. The conscience of America had been touched. Across the land, people had begun to treat each other not as blacks and whites, But as fellow Americans, and in his words, from every mountainside, let freedom ring.
3: President Reagan concluded those remarks on the day he signed the legislation that would bring about uh, federal holiday status to Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, He said the following, Martin Luther King Jr. and his spirit live within all of us. Thank God for the blessing of his life and his leadership and his commitment. What matter of man was this? May we make ourselves worthy to carry on his dreams and create the love community. Thus concluded the remarks by President Ronald Reagan as he signed uh, into law the federal holiday status of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. All right, that's the first story. The second story has to do with uh, vaccine rollout. They're at the Mountain America Expo Center. If you uh, have made an appointment and all uh, your ducks are in a row, that's the site for uh, getting your vaccine right now. Today, touring the site was Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson and Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson. They toured uh, one of the, one of the counties. Uh, vaccination sites, a max vaccination site. And here, uh, speaking from the Expo Center, the Mountain America Expo Center, is Deidre Henderson.
2: It's an honor to be here today, and it's really a pleasure specifically to be in Salt Lake County and to see the operation, the really incredible operation that Salt Lake County Health Department has put into place to get these vaccines distributed.
3: So here she she's praising the, the work being done. She's pleased with all the cooperation Uh, But now she gets down to it and makes a plea to get the vaccine in as many arms as possible.
2: Be patient as we work out the kinks. Um, My main message today, besides we're here to help in any way we can, is to say we've given everybody seven days. Every seven days, those doses need to be 100% exhausted and in people's arms. But um, if you can do it faster, do it faster. That's That's our plea.
3: Today in Utah, it was announced that 1,500 lives have been lost to COVID-19. And tomorrow, Lieutenant Governor Henderson explained that there will be, uh, that there'll be a national day of mourning.
2: Today, we reached a really unfortunate milestone in our state. And that was, uh, we, we have now surpassed 1,500 deaths due to COVID-19. And I, I don't know that there's really anybody in the state who does not know someone who has died or know someone who has been very negatively impacted by this disease. Um, either physically, emotionally, or socially, Um, I myself uh, still struggle with some of the after effects of my bout with COVID-19 last year. Uh, So tomorrow, um, we will be having a National Day of Mourning, um, and uh, we will participate in that, and at 3.30 tomorrow, um, the bell at the Capitol will ring 15 times to represent those 1,500 lives that have been lost.
3: Uh, Last, before uh, we turn away, this uh, again, the top two at two, the second big story of today, the vaccine rollout. We spoke earlier with Dave Noriega, who has been following very closely the rollout of the vaccine in Davis County, where they are, uh, at least according to a spokesperson from the health department, they are meeting their own internal goals. There's been a bit of confusion uh, experienced by those looking to sign up and schedule appointments. uh, But where the rubber meets the road is, are the vaccinations on hand getting into the arms of Utahns? And uh, at least according to the health department, despite some confusion in the scheduling side of things, uh, those vaccines are getting uh, handed out. Uh, Lastly, before we go to break, uh, I mentioned that they're now moving to Salt Lake County uh, tour today. Uh, given to Jenny Wilson, Salt Lake County Mayor, as well as Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson uh, at the Mountain America Expo Center, a place that's been used as a mass, vac- mass vaccination site. Uh, I wanted to share with you just a quick clip of some of the words shared today by President and CEO of Mountain America Credit Union expressing his gratitude uh, for the use of the Expo Center.
1: I want to thank all of us for coming together here. And and utilizing this great place for such a good purpose. I know the Mountain America Expo Center was put together as a as a gathering place, but what better place to, to come in and save lives and vaccinate?
3: Now, you know, you want to obviously always be promoting your company. You want to promote your credit union. And uh, it's for that reason that, uh, you know, the names of companies adorn, uh, you know, various facilities around not only Utah, but the country. Uh, And so I recognize that. Uh, But set that all aside for a second and imagine how good it must feel to be associated with, and I'm not talking specifically about the credit union here, but as uh, big open facilities are, uh, you know, recruited and repurposed for the distribution of vaccines imagine imagine how forever you as an employee either in that structure or for that company will be able to know that uh, the group with which you associated uh, was instrumental in quite literally saving american lives and not to get too sappy about that but as i as i thought about what it must mean for this president and, and ceo to know that the building that bears his company's name is uh, a place where you know when <laughs> the community needed help that building that structure was able to deliver exactly the help that was needed anyway just my my observation glad that vaccines are getting distributed obviously we want it to be faster and faster and faster as you and i together continue on our on our forward moving march towards that light uh, on the horizon. So hopefully uh, we get there sooner rather than later. It's the efforts uh, of folks like this that get us there. Uh, quick break. When we return, I want to share with you a little bit of history. We we learned last week that the inauguration will receive a special special designation. It's being designated an NSSE. That's only happened sixty some odd times in American history. What is an NSSE? A national special security event. And what qualifies for such a distinction? I'll give you the details next on Live Mike. They're interesting, and they date back to the 1996 Olympics. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
5: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one.